Thanks for tuning in to the Flowbird Transport Intelligence Podcast, where industry leaders talk about the trends, technologies, and influences shaping the convergence of public and private transport. Our special guest today is Aurelien Coté, who is director of the MAS Alliance. Welcome, Aurelien. Uh, perhaps we can start with how you became involved the MAS Alliance and what the organization seeks to achieve. Yes. So, hello. Is, uh, so, my name is uh, Aurelien Cotet. Um, I'm the MAS Worldwide Coordinator um, for Transdev. Transdev is one of the biggest uh, public transport operators around the world. And I'm in charge to um, uh, coordinate and manage all the mobility as a service project we may have around the world. So from Australia, uh, Asia, uh, Middle East, Europe, for sure, uh, North and South America. Uh, Mass Alliance um, is, an, uh, is an association uh, from people from the public um, sector, uh, public operator, but also private operators and private sectors. It's an association that gathered everyone uh, to understand what is mass and what could be mass to make sure that everyone has the same chance and everyone can work together. Why do you think that MAS is uh, such a progressive model for transportation um, around the world? And typically, what would you expect to see within a MAS scheme? So mobility as a service is a concept that is not necessarily new. We were start to talk about MAS uh, since uh, 2015, 2014. Uh, so basically uh, six, seven years ago. Um, the idea was, if you think about mobility, we have a lot of silos. You have the silos of uh, public transport. And even within the tr- public transport, you can say you have the buses on one side, the tram on one another side, the train. Um, you can have boats also. It depends where you are in the world. Uh, after that, you have the silo of the taxi that got uh, a little bit uh, checked up um, this, with Uber on Lyft, that the, the TNC. And you have the new light shared mobility with uh, e-scooter, e-bike, uh, the mopeds, etc., etc. So if you think that we had such a many silos in mobility, so many choice, at one moment never, uh, it made sense to have everything under the same channel. So mobility as a service concept is how you aggregate all the mobility, public and private, uh, that are operating within one territory so the end user can plan a trip from A to B and being able to get some multiple shortages uh, of mobilities. And it could be also intermodal. That means uh, I take my, my, um, my car and I go park somewhere and then take the train to go to the center of the city. And so why it's that progressive? It's because we have to think beyond each silos. That means we break down all those silos. We put an umbrella on it. We have to rethink the organization. Because if you think about it, if, if each mobility services are working and operating on, uh, in their side, uh, thinking about their own clients, but their, their clients of the easy scooter could be also the clients of Uber and could be also the clients of uh, public transport. So these clients should be able to have a better understanding what are the options in one places. And for the uh, public transport authority, having such information could also help them to reimagine 
how the mobility should be in their territories. So that, that's why it's very progressive. And that's why it's kind of new in terms of, I mean, new, not because it has been there for six years uh, or, or more, but because it's new in the mindset of people that could be consuming everything in one application instead of having to download uh, hundreds of applications. If we think about mobility as a service uh, in the context of the pandemic, do you think that um, the the COVID situation has increased interest in mobility as a service, and, and why might that be? Yes. In fact, what is very interesting is um, with the pandemic, um, everybody agrees uh, that mm, the public transport is the backbone of a mass. With the pandemic, not that many people were back in the public transport. So a lot of people can question the survival of the concept of the mass. But at the same time, mass is the digitalization of all the mobility services offered in the territories, public or private. So all those information gathered in one place give the opportunity to the mass operator to provide more information in terms of safety and security. So that's one thing. The second thing is to create a mass, to deploy a mass, you need a, a strong and digitalized public transport um, operator, meaning you need to have a, a good uh, traveler information for the end user, meaning knowing when uh, the bus or the train will arrive or if something happened, giving an, uh, an estimation of delay, but that uh, real estimation that could uh, really occur, not something, you know, uh, with a finger in the wind and say, oh, it's a uh, may rain today. Uh, so with all the digitalization, we are able to give a better data information for the end user. The ticketing right now is either paper or uh, smart cards. The fact that uh, a new generation of ticketing that is being digitalized uh, through QR code um, that has been deployed for the past two or three years uh, in certain city will help the mass because without this digitalization of the ticketing, you can't have a mass. At least you can't have a digitalization of aggregating all those mobility services in one place. The pandemic helped speed it up this, uh, this deployment of digitalization. The anti-cutting was a nice to have in a lot of places. With a pandemic where end user and even the driver who didn't want to have a, a direct contact with the, the traveler, uh, the only answer to that was how you digitalize the ticketing. You can have um, text message ticketing. It's great, but it's very difficult to put in place in terms of the fact that it's built on your uh, mobile operator uh, bill. So you need your mobile operator agreeing to, um, to do these kind of services. You could use your credit card as a contactless open payment system, but that's more expensive than just a digitalization of a ticketing. So suddenly, um, the project of digitalization of a ticketing that we are planned for the next two, three, four years in many medium cities came as a, an emergency on a must-have. Thanks to that, all those medium cities that weren't ready to uh, deploy a mass are ready now to deploy a mass because they put in place the digitalization system needed for that. One of the 
the main things for that will contribute to the success of a MAS project will be consumer confidence, that they're happy to, to use it. And I suppose that, that makes you think about things like account-based ticketing. Uh, do you see ABT as a, a fundamental part of a successful uh, MAS scheme? The, the, the thing with ABT is, um, is mainly linked with a credit card. Uh, credit card linked to a bank account or credit card that could uh, be refilled like as a wallet. Uh, it's very difficult to link uh, an ABT on a mass uh, application because it's not the same system. Uh, ABT is linked to um, the, the fare and ticketing scheme uh, of a public transport operator uh, that had put in place such a, a system. So it's it's very great for the end user who are occasional and want to use their credit card uh, to tap in, tap out, like in London. And, um, uh, and if the fare system has a capping system, the ABT is perfect for that because you are built at the end of the day, the number of trip you've done. Uh, and if you reach the maximum, it doesn't matter. Your credit card is still your token to open the gates, but you are not. Uh, you are not. Um, uh, you don't over overcharge uh, at the end of the day because you 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 just accumulated enough uh, to pay the maximum amount, and then you can continue to travel during the day without paying more. Uh, this is definitely great for credit cards. Um, the the link between an ABT on uh, on the mass application is not done yet. Uh, hopefully it will be done, uh, but it's a little bit more complicated. What about operators? Can you see some benefits for operators or, or is there an element of you have to build some trust up in the system? Yes. In fact, we, we know now that um, uh, to deploy a mass is not a technical issue. I mean, you have some techn technical issues between interfaces, between um, the uh, mobility as a service provider you want to integrate in it that may don't have the right API and giving access to the right data for them on their system uh, to uh, to work on a mass. But that's that can be fixed. The major problem right now is, at the beginning I was talking about silos. Uh, when you break down silos, you are getting people who are not working together almost of the time when you talk about silos people are competing between silos so the, the, the most difficult part right now for um, the public transport uh, on the private transport so public and private operators is to trust each other to create a system that could be beneficial for everyone why it's because if you create a system where everyone can share all the data that is needed to optimize uh, their respective operation, they're going to be able to offer a better offer at the end of the day to the end user. What is the real problem now is people who do have to use their car and they don't see any alternative to their own private car. If the offers between public and private operators is synchronized at a point where we can create an alternative at the private car. Not every time, but most of the time, that would be a first step for people to say, okay, today I'm not going to use my private car, I'm going to use the mass. So for that, 
you need trust between parties. Uh, because in a way, it's like uh, putting all the competitors in one platform and they need to trust the algorithm uh, to be the best for everyone. And if we think about um, the ownership of a mad scheme, who do you think uh, should be responsible for setting the rules, um, making sure that everything works fairly for everybody? Because I guess that's part of a trust issue as well, maybe from an operator point of view. Yes. So I think everyone agrees on the fact that um, the, the mobility as a service, um, because it's the mobility of people uh, in a region, in a territory, we need a trusted third party um, to organize and to create the governance uh, of this mobility as a service, uh, even if it's operated by a public private operators. It's the PTA, the Public Transport Authority, the one who are um, on a public sector elected by the citizen, who are supposed to be there for the good of everyone. So to, to put in place the right mobility policy with uh, the idea of inclusion, so for everyone, rich, poor, uh, healthy, unhealthy, uh, for everyone in their daily life, uh, you have a luggage, you don't, uh, you have a small children um, for women who are pregnant, uh, for people who are normally healthy and had an accident and suddenly uh, are on wheelchair. Uh, so we need to think about everyone. And, and the only people who can do that are people who are not driven by uh, benefits. So it's important that the mass should be fought and governed by this authority then the mass could be uh, lead and organized, uh, organized, operated by a public transport operator. It could be also led by a public authority uh, company that is uh, owned by the city, for instance. It could be also a private operator, uh, or it could be, um, yeah, it could, it, it could be many things. The governance has to be local and national. Local for the fact that the mobility is very local. Uh, you can't find the same mobility providers from city to city. But after that, each match, each mobility as a service has the same mindset in terms of uh, data privacy for the end user, um, what should be done in terms of um, what are the data needed uh, to improve the flow of mobility of people and goods uh, within one territories. So the territories could be local or national, uh, the prime is the same. I suppose that when we think about mobility as a service, there's a temptation to think about smart cities as well. Um, do you think that MAS is just as applicable to, say, a regional structure uh, as opposed to just a large city? So MAS is like um, the mobile operator we, we have um, with our cell phones. Um, we need to room. Being able to room from um, one region to another one was something, but one country to another one. So it's very important also that um, someone who, uh, when you have, when you will be in a position where you will have mass everywhere, uh, it's, it will be very important that the interconnection between masses will be done uh, in uh, seamlessly. Uh, so it's going to be good to have some local ones, some regional one, national one, or international ones. 
so I don't know if it's really answering exactly the, the, the question. But what I can uh, can tell you is uh, it depends also the region because there are some regions where you have a big city and suddenly uh, the number of people uh, in the distant suburbs uh, are, are not that many. Uh, so it's, it's going to be very important to understand the local context. Um, and there are also the concept of rural mass versus um, urban uh, mass. And, and after that, you have a capital mass. Uh, when I say capital mass is when you have a, a capital with many different players for each mobility service provider. What I mean by this is when you have medium cities, most of the time you have one, one company for e-bikes, one company for car sharing, one company for the e-scooter uh, on, on one PTO, one public transport operator. When you are in the capital, most of the time you have two, you have one, two, three, four different bike companies, one, two, three, four e-scooters company. And there, the number of options for mass uh, are multiple. So that's where you, you're going to have uh, and you, you will need uh, a good governance to make sure that everything is set properly uh, and the data will share between all those masses so they can all offer the best for their own clients. And I suppose the other element that maybe we need to think about is is private transport, private cars and parking, because we know that obviously there are concerns at the moment about congestion, pollution, but I suppose with um, EV charging, I'm sorry, with EV cars coming along, uh, maybe attitudes will change a bit towards private cars. And, um, and I suppose the, the question then is, how do we balance private car ownership against, against a MAS opportunity? So um, I'm going to talk about my personal life because I'm the perfect example of uh, someone who travel a lot. I mean, previously, uh, previously COVID, I used to travel between uh, 60 to 70 percent of my time abroad. And, um, uh, and most of the time, I always try to find the fastest way to go to my meetings when I arrive at the train station or at the airport. And most of the time, it's not the taxi. In many cities, uh, like Amsterdam, uh, the best way to go from one place to another one uh, is go uh, is from the airport, is go straight to get the train um, and go to my meetings there. Um, for my personal life, where I live, I live um, nearby Versailles, so not too far from Paris. Uh, when I want to go to Paris, most of the time I take my car and I drive to the nearest metro station. I park there and then I take the public transport. So I'm the perfect example of someone who's going to do intermodal with my own private car at the beginning using a parking. So I think uh, AV, uh, EV car would be better for the, um, the environment, but it doesn't mean that we need to have everyone with an AV because congestion is there. Um, there's two burden uh, in terms of mobility. You have uh, the pollution, but you have also the number of minutes on our hours you can spend in your car because of the traffic jam. So I think there are two, two sides that is very important to, to still keep in mind. And talking about health is very important, but you have also mental health that is when you spend too much time in the traffic jam. So mass should be also an answer for that because most of the reflex of people with their private car, they use Google Maps or Waze. 
Waze doesn't give you any uh, option to say, oh, you know what, let's park there and take the train. It's going to be faster and it's going to be more comfortable. It's not the reflex. So we, we really need to educate people. And for that, uh, my, my own feeling is, as most of the mobility in cities are done by commuters, so people who are going from home to work, we need to in, include the employees and employers. Because if, you, if the employers don't um, send the right message to their employees on how they could you know, uh, be more mobile, uh, in a different way than just using a private car. Uh, and there are alternatives that could be more beneficial for everyone. Uh, even the, the, the employee, uh, they won't do it. Because the human nature is to, uh, when you have a routine, it's very difficult to break. Even if it's, it's to break it for a better thing, uh, it's still a routine. So I think it's going to come with time. It's going to come thanks to the regulation. It's going to come also because the governments, local and national, will also help for that and you know start to think about what kind of rewards we can put in place to incentive people to use mass. I want to come back also. You talk about um, smart city. For me, mass is definitely what I would call the the mobility commodity. In the smart city. Uh, one of the commodity will be mobility, mobility of people and mobility of goods. Mass is definitely this uh, component within the smart city. So thinking about the future, how long will it be, do you think, before we all just accept Maz as a normal way of working and living our lives? I think it's going to take some time um, because right now we are still on test and learn. Um, we need to build this trust between actors of uh, in the mobility, so between the private and the public. We need to have a very strong regulation to know what are the rules to play with. And, um, and this has been discussed right now, uh, at, at least for the U um, European uh, Union. Uh, so hopefully we will have a framework to work with and being able to start to build a trust among and thanks to this framework. So that's one thing. The second thing is, uh, even if the acceleration of the digitalization has been done, uh, mass is not free. So we need also to start to think about, okay, what is the cost? Who is paying? And what could be the business model? Uh, because is it going to be the public transport uh, authority will uh, expand the public transport to the mass? for the benefit of everyone and then the mass will be subsidized. Uh, it's going to be B2C, like uh, many people thought at the beginning, uh, where people would use um, uh, the, the mobility and the, uh, the mass operator will get a percentage each time someone would use the mass uh, and consume a mobility uh, to any mobility service provider. Or for me, it could be also, I was talking about employee-employer. Um, I'm pretty sure that in the next five, 10 years, employers will spend more money to give back uh, to their employee to um, ease their mobility. So in addition to the salary, we'll have a budget mobility or mobility budget, sorry. And um, I, I 
the more the amount will be substantial, the more it's going to be used in mass. And that's how mass will also uh, uh, take off, thanks to the employers. And, uh, um, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that's where and when the, this will, will happen, when the employer will be part of it with the right regulation behind. At the same time, you were talking about EVs. Um, what is very interesting about that is if we want to refill our tank of a, our car in a gas station, that means we can you know, plug the car anywhere. We need to rethink about that. And that's where you have a lot of think tanks who are thinking, okay, how are we going to link real estate to mass? How we can give access to a private parking owned by uh, apartments owners or office owners to an outsider so this person can park and, and uh, recharge his or her car? And at the same time, why not? Because it's next to a train station, take the train and go to the city. So I think at one moment the mass could be a grid of different kind of mobility hubs. Mobility hubs uh, like a train station or a hub of mobility with many buses stops, but also um, micro-mobility hubs where you have only two or three pl places to park your car or your bike, uh, places where you could come with your own bike and park it safely because the problem with uh, your, your own bike is how you, you make sure that if you, dr you ride your bike from your home to the train station uh, and take the train to, um, to the center of, uh, of a city and you come back, you want to make sure that your bike is still there. Uh, there, there are some countries, unfortunately, uh, leaving a bike like this uh, could be a problem. <laughs> so it's um, so it's going to be very interesting to see everything evolving around that. And uh, so for me, yes, I think it will take between five to ten years before, in some cities, it will be natural for us to uh, be mobile and consume mobility uh, thanks to our our, our smartphones. Aurelion Cote, thank you so much for your time and uh, your insight. Thank you very much for inviting me. And um, if your uh, listener do have questions, uh, don't hesitate. Don't forget to tune into the next Flowbird podcast for industry insights into the future of public transport. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.